For those of you who are newer, I want to give you a little recap of what's going on in the Song of Songs. we got two main characters we're looking at in this entire book. We're looking at a Shulamite woman and King Solomon, a picture of a relationship between a bride and a groom. And we've seen the groom pursue her and her response and her thinking she's not worthy and finally getting to the place of marriage, as we saw last week. Uh, she, was, she was being walked up to the, the, the chambers to be with her groom, the king. And this entire book, we have not been talking about the literal interpretation of Solomon and the Shulamite woman. Rather, we've been talking about how this is actually a picture of an intimate relationship between God and the church. The church being represented by the Shulamite woman and God being represented by King Solomon. And the biggest thing out of this entire teaching series is to understand the access we have to an intimate walk with God is so close and so real, and you do not have to get to a certain place to walk in closeness with God. And it's not just a closeness with Jesus, because one fear I have of the church today is that we put all attention on Jesus, and we're scared of the Father, and we're nervous about Holy Spirit. But really and truthfully, Jesus says he came to reveal who the Father was. So any idea that you have of the Father that you do not see in Jesus, you have an incorrect view of Father God. We even need to redefine the wrath of the Father. The wrath of God is not something we should be scared of. He loves us so much that he goes after us in a form that is so wrathful. He wants us that much. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, it's not Father God and Jesus is the Son and Holy Spirit is just a feeling. It's all three of them are equally God. It is a, it is a we've been talking about a perichoresis. The word perichoresis meaning it is a, a circle dance of the three. That it's not fathers at the top and then Jesus and then Holy Spirit. It's they are existing in an in a equal relationship, a circle dance relationship, where they are all the same God in different characteristics, if you will. It's, it's, I heard it one time said like this. It's like water. You can have ice, you can have steam, and you can have liquid. And no matter what form it is, it's all what? Water. That's how God is. He's got different forms, but he's all God. And the church has got to understand to start walking in this, what he calls a co-equal relationship with him. He actually calls us his equals because we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That doesn't mean we don't submit to God's lordship. That means he is showing us how good he has made us. And we need to stop using the excuse of I am not good enough as our reason to say no. He has incredible plans for his church, for his bride. And tonight, we're going to see the power of submission and seeing that plan come to fruition. Before we get into chapter 5, verse 1, I want to read the last verse of last week's message to kind of build this up in Song of Psalm 4, verse 16. It says this, Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind. Everyone say, north wind, wind. south wind. wind. Blow on my garden, 
and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love, taste its finest fruits. After he describes over and over throughout chapter 4 how Solomon saw the bride, how beautiful she was, he, all these accolades. If you remember, uh, he even went in the beginning, there were seven different characteristics of her physical beauty and all these things. He kept on and on and on. After he gave all the accolades, her response was to invite the wind. I want your north wind and your south wind to blow on my garden. The bride says, if you remember, we talked about how the north wind was representative of the hidden ways of God, and the south winds were representative of the comforts, dealings, and convictions, if you will. Uh, and, 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 and this bride is saying, I want all of that. I want the hidden things. I want the convictions. I want the comforts. See, a lot of people in the church wants the convictions, but we don't want the hidden we get scared of the hidden because with hidden, it takes more of a focus to walk into things we might not know. I didn't know if I was going to say it, but I'm going to say it right here. This is not in my notes, but I've really been feeling this like someone needs this tonight. It's kind of like the idea of bondage and freedom. I believe a lot of people actually love bondage more than freedom because when you're under bondage, you're easier to make decisions because you're managed by bondage. There's no guesswork in what you do because the thing you're a slave to does all the choices. Oh, here we go. All right. But if we were to walk in freedom, it's actually a little bit more difficult because you no longer have a slave driver called bondage. You have to make decisions of, I am going to make sure that I'm going to be submitted to my God despite what my natural urges may want. I'm not going to be ruled by a slave called bondage. I am going to have authority in my life as a free, submitted son or daughter to God. Amen. And it's kind of like with the bondage and freedom. People love convict me. People love I want to repent. But as soon as you start throwing out hey, go to a place where I'm going to show you, like God told Abraham, we get nervous. Because our first response is, well, what, well, before I say yes, tell me where you want me to go. And it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you've got to make a decision that doesn't make sense because God wants to make sure that your first step is a faith step and not just a knowledge step. He gives you knowledge to accompany the faith, not to replace it. Sometimes he asks you to do something that does not make sense. So in doing the thing that doesn't make sense, you ask for a knowledge to, 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 to govern or steward that moment. And the only way you can get the knowledge to govern or steward the moment is a walking relationship in the circle dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's invite the hidden things. God, I, I want you to reveal things to me that I haven't seen, I haven't heard. Show me the things that I've read a thousand times, but no one's ever said it. Show me all the hidden things, God. Convict me. Make me feel loved. The whole deal. She says, I'm inviting the winds of the north and the winds of the south, and let that fragrance spread everywhere. What fragrance? 
Her garden, as the winds blows, becomes a fragrance of what circle dance looks like. She says, let that spread to not just thank you, Father, for sending your son, but I'm submitting to the lordship of all three persons of you. Your wrath, your love, your goodness, your leading, your mystery, your conviction, your comfort, the whole thing. And when she's inviting this process of blow into my garden, bring in everything you are, and let the fragrance of worship and submission spread everywhere, she says, now come into your garden. At first, she says, I want you to blow on my garden. But then she shifts. Come into your garden. She was talking to the king, and what was hers, she is now giving over fully to him. Uh, let, me, let me say it again. Her garden is now referred to as his garden because she has gone from a place of simply offering herself to say, what's mine is no longer mine. It's yours. This is, in the literal text, the king and, and the bride are consummating the marriage. You know, like the garden. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep, let's keep this PG. In the illustration, it's every, all of my intimate places, God. All the places that I'm desiring something, I am no longer saying I get to decide what fills that desire. I am submitting fully where everything that I want and everything that I need, I'm not going to find something to fill it. I'm going to seek you so that you can bring the thing that will fulfill my every desire. The question tonight is, are you fully submitted to God? I want to read this in James chapter 4, verse 7, because I saw something in this that's just so good. It says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and just keep this up there, and he will flee from you. Now, we've heard this, this scripture and probably read it a thousand times, but there is something in here that we need to see. Many try to resist the enemy when you haven't done step one. It doesn't say resist the devil, he'll flee from you so that you can submit. It says step one, humble yourself in the literal translation, submit to God. In other words, when you submit to God, humble yourself to the truth that you can't do you alone. Let's go back to the garden. You were never meant to walk outside of circle dance relationship in the garden. The moment we did, there was a separation. He says, submit yourself to a divine truth that you were never meant to do it alone, ever. He says, when you humble yourself and realize you need to submit to him, that is when you have the ability and the strength and the power to resist the devil because when he sees you, he doesn't see you in pride. He sees you submitted. And when he sees you submitted, he doesn't just say, I don't want to deal with that. He runs away from you. Yes. 
And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where when I walk into a room, if a demon's there or if the enemy's whispering, when I walk into a room, he doesn't even try to have a conversation. He runs out of the place. Because he doesn't see someone who thinks they can do it. He sees someone who says, I know I can't without him. Humble yourselves. Submit yourselves. Have you submitted yourself like the bride? Because it will be harder to resist if you're not first fully submitted. You try to resist things that have become your natural. But the first step is submitting your natural to him. God, this is your garden. Because we all go through times when we have this, these things that are natural desires that we try to fill ourselves because they're just so familiar. God says you can submit to what's familiar or submit to an unfamiliar place with me that was actually originally the most familiar. Right? Well, I just don't have a desire to read my Bible anymore. When you existed with the Father before the earth began, your relationship was with word, but it had no text. It was just walking with God because the word became flesh. See, many people actually worship this over, over the word. The word is not the Bible. The word is Jesus. The Bible is a testament to who the word is. That's why I had to start a church. No one hire me. <laughs> submit yourself. <laughs> submit yourself to God. To a place where he will bring naturals to you that you never knew as natural. When she mentions the garden... Obviously, she's referring to her virginity. But she was saving herself for the king, protecting what was good. The thing she had was good. But she didn't want any other lover to have it. She was waiting for the one that was going to be hers, her groom, to take her garden. Submission to God is this. I am protecting the things that I crave so that you're the one who gets to fill them up. I will not give permission to any other lover to fill this desire. We were singing that song, No Longer Slaves, and we were saying all kind of stuff. It was, I'm no longer a slave to addiction, pornography, all these things. You know what those are? Those are false lovers fulfilling desires. God says... Protect that desire because I'm going to bring something to fill that up that those other lovers don't stand a chance with. Amen. And the way that he fills it could be, hey, here's this relationship. Hey, here's this friendship. Hey, here's this conversation. Hey, here's this blessing. But we don't want to wait on him to give us the fulfillment of our desires. We actually go after desires and before you know it, we're in regret, depression, worry, anxiety. And you know what God says? The beauty of God says, I've seen all the others you've laid with, but I remember your sins no more when you submit yourself to me. 
In other words, redemption means he looks at you as a virgin. He looks at you as someone who has not given yourself to any other lover. I'm, I, he says, you never laid with addiction because you're a new creation. You, you've, you've never laid with any of that stuff. You're mine. This Shulamite woman was understanding the only thing that I want to fulfill me is the king. And God in his redemption says, I am bringing you back to the place where you get to decide who fills your every place. And the way he fills it is with godly relationships, godly friendships, whispers of the Holy Spirit. When you're feeling down, you don't need someone to fill you with love because you, your, your cup of I need to be loved is overflowing because of what God is doing in you. But you will miss the proper things to fill your garden if you try to fill it yourself. Let God satisfy every desire. So she's given herself to him, said, Here's, this is your garden. This is no longer mine. This is all yours. And now the beloved, the king, has received her virginity. Now I want to read Song of Solomon 5, verse 1. And this is the only scripture we're studying tonight. I'll throw out some more, but this is what we're studying. I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I'm not going to go into detail about that. I gather myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. The beloved has received her. After she has said, this is your garden, and he receives her and calls her his garden. When I was reading this, there's a principle that the Apostle Paul talks about when addressing marriage and sexual morality. But I believe we have missed a deeper meaning, a deeper meaning for what this is all about. I'm going to read the scripture, and I'm going to show you something that blew me away when I read it this week. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 4. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to let this sink in. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Let me read it another way. The church gives authority over her body to God. And God gives authority over his body to the church. When we submit our ability to govern ourselves to God, he in turn entrusts us with authority that we lost in the garden. We have authority to forgive. He doesn't say come to an altar call and ask for forgiveness. He says you go forgive him. He doesn't say, get the pastors to heal you. He says, go heal the sick. He doesn't say, go find a superstar prophet on TV. He says, you prophesy. Yeah. <coughs> he, 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 he break curses. 
These are all commissions to the body of Christ. Not just the top dogs. Because the only top dog is him. Many are in prayer lines waiting on God when God says, find my submitted ones. We are one, I am in them, and they are mine. In seeking God, he will bring you what you need. But oftentimes it's in a submitted bride that you overlook because you're waiting on a divine experience. When the divine is actually the bride of Christ. The church. There are so many times when we struggle with things in life where we're wanting the, the heavens to rain down. Heaven rain down in the person you're sitting next to you. The question is, are we fully submitted so that what is seen in us is not a fallen false nature, but a truly divine nature? L let me read this in Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 16, he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. You hear that? When they accept your message, they accept my message. They accept who I am. Anyone who rejects you, they're rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Now, I want to make sure we're reading this correctly. This is referring to ones who are truly submitted, not people who put Christian on the census report. I'll let that stew. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Before I read the rest, you have no reason to fear anything that looks like the devil. He's not powerful. He's lost. The only power he has is suggestion. And the devil only gets power when you allow him to use the only vessel that has it. You. Don't believe this false teaching that the enemy's powerful. He's not. He needs permission from the governors. Well, a demon's in my house. Why are you letting him stay? Okay. Verse 18, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That means that when God saw an issue with Satan, you know how long it took God to deal with it? Like that. But for some reason, we take three hours to cast out a demon. And we're called co-equal with God. Hmm. <laughs> The more we submit to him, the more authority is recognized. Okay. All right. Look, I've given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. Now I'm going to, I have. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Listen to this. Because your names are registered in heaven... People accept God when they accept the message that you bring. Because they're not accepting you, they're accepting a, a heavenly ambassador. But you're only recognized as heavenly ambassador when you're fully submitted. 
So it's, it's not this game of let me get better. It's, it's let me get more revealed. I keep saying things like it's not about behavior management when it comes to sin, right? This is what it is in a nutshell. It's not let me get better at not sinning. It's let me get more revealed of who I truly am as I focus on more submission. Because when you're fully submitted, sin does not stand a chance. But if all you're trying to do is deal with your sin, you're actually submitting to a false power rather than submitting to the truth of God. I'm dealing with this thing. This is so hard. I can't break it. Yes, you can. It has no power. It has no authority. And when you start saying, I cannot get past this thing, you're giving it an authority that only rests in you. So the more you're submitted to God, your desires change, your nature changes, you're revealed more and more in the likeness of God, and all the stuff that you thought had you has no grip, has no power, has no authority. And the message you bring will be accepted when you've given submission. But out of your submission, an authority beyond this world's understanding will back up what comes out of your mouth. That's why a stuttering Moses led people out of captivity. Because in full submission, his stutter carried more authority than a professional in Egypt. Yeah, that was good. I'll say it again. People accept God when they accept what message you bring because out of submission, there is an authority behind you that backs up everything that comes out your mouth. That is why a stuttering Moses led people out of captivity because when he was fully submitted, his stuttered carried more authority than the professionals. Think about the disciples. This is good tonight. They were, they were simple tradesmen. And we just read in Luke that when they spoke, demons ran. Because after submission to Jesus, an authority backed them up that demons recognized. Are you still caught up in I'm not good enough? Or you understand it's not about am I good? The question is am I submitted? Because in, the, in God's view, if you are saved and delivered and covered in the blood of the Lamb, you are as good as you're ever going to be. And that's really, 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 really good. You're good. You're not a failure. You're not a mess up. You're not a screw up. You're good. You're divine. You're holy. You're righteous. You're perfected in Christ Jesus. He sees all that. So get out of the mindset. It's not, am I good enough or am I, am I getting there? It, it's not about that. It's am, what areas of my life are submitted and what areas of my life are not. Submitted to what? Submitted to the truth that he wants to do great and incredible things through someone as simple as you, who heaven doesn't see as simple, heaven sees as divine. Yes. Amen. A messed up life that is submitted will do more than a perfect record. I'll say that again. A messed up life that is now submitted can do more than a perfect record. Ask Moses the murderer. 
he murdered someone and left Egypt, and then he came back and says, God sent me. I'm here to free everybody. And he was a murderer. But he did not let his stutter or his murder make him say, God, you got the wrong guy. After a little conversation with a fire in a bush. Because all God wants is one thing, your yes. The beloved says, I, gave, I gather myrrh with my spices, and I eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. He's using these images of luxury and satisfaction back in the days to describe how pleasing it was to be married to a submissive bride. He says, when my bride has submitted herself to me, it's like I'm gathering myrrh with my spices. I'm eating honeycomb from the honey. I drink wine with the milk. I want to tie this into the communion message because if you realize what was being said, they, were, they ate bread and they drank wine before the crucifixion and the resurrection. Right? Rose, and then one day, they're taking this walk with a couple of guys. Y'all know what that walk was? Emmaus. And then they said, hey, you seem like a pretty cool dude. Can you come eat at our house? They go in the house, and what he ate was a piece of fish. He ate meat. Not bread, not wine. When he ate meat, the eyes were open. Now, what some translations will leave out, it doesn't just say he ate a piece of fish. It says he ate a piece of fish and honeycomb. And this king in Solomon looks at his bride and says, you're fully submitted. I'm eating a honeycomb with you. I'm drinking the milk. I'm gathering the spices. It was about the meat and the fruit of Christ's land that this bride was gathering. And the thing about the promises of Jesus, the promises of God, is when you're fully submitted, all the, all the meat, the knowledge, the depth, all the fruit of the land, the goodness, the, the honey, the, the sweetness, the joy, the peace, he says, all of it's available to you. What's mine is yours. Submission is understanding you don't have to go searching for those things anywhere outside of circle dance relationship. You don't have to go get peace. It's available to you. Well, I worry a lot. Well, then I beg to ask you, are you, are you fully submitted? And that's a hard thing to take in. You know why? Because we have to do a self-evaluation. What areas am I not submitted in? Don't look at where am I getting it wrong. Look at where am I not submitted to letting God fulfill my desire. That's the biggest mindset shift that the church needs. Not what am I doing wrong. It's where am I not submitted. Because when you submit, you'll no longer fulfill a desire in a wrong way. Is this, is this good? All right. All of these things, the myrrh, the honeycomb, the wine, the milk, they were all products from the land of Canaan, known as Emmanuel's land. So the things he delights in and the things that are his are now in the care of the people. His delight is in how you steward what he's given you to govern. 
He said, everything you need in my land, in the promised land, is now yours. Talked about last week. The promised land is not a place. The promised land is the church. The promised land is no longer a place. The promised land is actually the bride, the church. We are the promised land. We are the land of Canaan, if you will. We get to partake in everything that Christ has prepared. So you don't need to go searching for fulfillment. Because fulfillment is offered to you. And you get it, not by a perfect record, but by fully submitting. God, this is, this is your garden. I really want this, but this isn't mine anymore. You know what bondage says? It's, I'm giving my garden to that thing. Freedom says, I'm giving my garden to the king, and I'm going to make faith steps in what he tells me to do. Didn't make sense for me to leave college to go into ministry. Couldn't stand church, didn't like ministry, didn't even believe in the same stuff the church that offered me a job believed in. Didn't believe in the Holy, Holy Spiritual gifts or anything like that. I called them false teachers, but I was like, God told me to come here. And it was a transforming decision for the rest of my life. A decision that made no sense, but there was one thing that accompanied it. I had tremendous peace. And you know what, want to know why I had peace? Because I was submitted. I'll, the biggest advice I can give anyone is when you're making decisions, move on. Peace. Because you're moving on fruit from his land and not yours. Okay. That's good. Hmm. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. I want to read verses 28 through 31. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I've given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that's what happened. And then God looked over all he made and saw that it was very good. And an evening passed, morning came, marking the sixth day. Pay attention to this. He says, I have given you every seed-bearing plant, all the fruit, all the plants, all the food for everything that everyone needs. And he took delight in what he prepared for man to govern. He says, everything that you need, I've given to you. And all I want you to do is steward it. I want you to govern it. Sin entered, and now God says, you want it all back? You want the fruit of peace and joy and gentleness and self-control? I get tired of people saying that's just not how it's built. Actually, you're built to work the best when you're governed in those things. Well, I just don't have patience. It's because you're not fully submitted. I don't have self-control. It's because you're not fully submitted. That's just not who I am. You're exactly right. Who you are is not who God saw. 
And when you see that, you can make an excuse for the false version of you or say, where can I submit to, to start feasting on all this fruit, on all these things that God's prepared for me? And he says, you want all that back? All you need to do is get back to a submitted position like you were in Eden. And the garden that you exited will be redeemed in the garden of your submission. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Where's the garden? It's right here. Where's the Garden of Eden? It was perfect. It was pleasing. It had everything we needed. It had sustenance. It had life. Where is it? It's right here. There is nothing the garden had that we don't have access to. The problem is we've tried to think, let me access it by getting to heaven one day when God says, when you submit, heaven comes to you. Why do we wait for us to die a second time for us to understand the benefits of heaven? Why did I say a second time? Because I actually believe you only die once, period. And it's not when your body gives up. It's when you say yes to God. Some, some of y'all didn't get that. I've already died. I'm not dying anymore. I'm, I, I'm, I am in eternity. And I'm not going to wait to experience a different dimension of eternity while I'm already in my eternity. People get so caught up in when is Jesus coming back when I say, well, he already came once and he says, stop looking forward to it. He says, stop looking up in the clouds. Stop waiting for me to come. Go, heal, preach, prophesy. All these things. You want to know why? Because we're, we're in the midst of Garden of Eden reality if we would just say, God, I submit to you. See, it's not a far off thing. It's right here. Is this helping? Okay, good. Whew. And then when he says, all I need is a submission, we see this response in verse 1. Throw it up there again. I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices, eat honeycomb my honey, I drink mine with my milk. And then there's a little pause and it says, Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. Now, if you read this in different translations... It actually gives credit to two different groups of, of people, if you will, who said this. Because this is not King Solomon speaking. Or some may say it was, some may say it's not. One idea is that it's all the young women of Jerusalem talking to the groom. Yeah, eat that thing up. Go consummate that thing. Y'all know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> others actually believe that it was King Solomon, after consummating that thing, walked out of his chambers and looked at the reception and said, yeah, y'all keep eating and drinking. Now, I'm just saying, I'd have a difficult time walking out of the bridal chambers to talk to a bunch of people. 
So it's actually best to see that this is neither of those groups. <laughs> Some of y'all are laughing, and it's, y'all need to stop. It's actually best to see that this is actually neither of these groups. It is, listen to this, it is a divine response of an affirmation from heaven. The consummation of the bride and the groom was approved and glory poured out on the goodness and purity. Heaven said, oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink deeply. Heaven gave a blessing to that consummation. So, look, exactly. So, let me say, watch this in Luke 15. This is a parable that many people have preached about salvation. I believe there's something more to it. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Just not on Mother's Day. And when she has found it, She calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, we always read this parable about the sinner coming to salvation. But what if there's more? The one coin. What if the one coin lost is the one place where she has failed to submit? So she is not complete until she finds that one stray coin and submit it to the union of the whole. And God says, likewise, one sinner repenting causes heaven to rejoice. Just like heaven rejoiced in a consummation of a fully submitted bride. So think of what repentance is. Change the way you think so that your actions go in a different direction. Repentance is to take even just one unsubmitted thing and put it into submission. And when you do that, heaven, just like in the chapter 5, rejoices that one more part of you just got aligned. Heaven rejoiced at this woman submitting. Heaven sang. It shows such a deep joy and goodness and not just you getting saved but in every part of you aligning with that saved self Jesus called Simon Peter even though for the rest of his life Peter was going to be revealed before Jesus ever went to the cross he looked at Simon and says they've called you Simon which means a reed in the wind you flow back and forth. You make decisions here. You make decisions there. You, you, you're, you're not stable. He says, I'm going to call you Peter. You're a rock. You're steady. Years later, they're arresting Jesus, and Peter starts cutting ears off. <laughs> Jesus gets crucified, and Peter says, forget y'all. I'm going fishing. Over and over, he kept messing up. I, I would never deny you, Lord. Yes, you will three times. Nah, you wrong, God. And he did. Over and over, Simon was being revealed. Simon was being revealed. Simon was being real. But Jesus did not call him Simon. He called what fully submitted Simon was. Peter. And for the rest of his life, Peter would understand what it means to be fully submitted. When he went out and preached, it says he would go back to the church and get filled again. 
He was getting filled again because he was submitting to the fact that even though he was a great apostle, he still needed less than people called the church to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So all these superstar preachers that don't need people, that's why they all fallen. Because we are not designed to do it without each other. There is no such thing as a man above the people. It's a people fully submitted to the one. Submitted to one another. The circle dance is I'm submitting to Father, Son, and Spirit, and I'm also submitting to you. It's not Pastor Kyle's above you. It's Pastor Kyle has a function to pull something out of you, and there's something in you that I need so that I can be revealed as well. And that's how relationship is, period, in the church. So when there's no relationship, there's actually no mutual submission, and that's when we hinder our growth. Okay. Where am I at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me read it again. I've entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices, eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. And then heaven says, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. The relationship was blessed. And in the exact same way, as heaven rejoiced and said, eat and drink. When Jesus looked at the disciples, he said, take, eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This is my blood. Literally the exact praises that heaven gave over Solomon and the Shulamite are the same ones that heaven gives over a body submitted to a king who gave himself for us. He says, go ahead, eat, drink. You're one. Do you realize that communion is actually a consummation of a bride and a bridegroom? Doing this is simply a symbol of a life of I'm one and fully submitted. Why do you think it says in the scripture before you take it to fully evaluate yourself? It's not, oh, I'm dirty. It's, am I submitted? Is my marriage to God as pure as it can be because I have not had an affair with any other lover? And if I have, God, here I am. I'm submitted. Not only in a ceremonial way, a life with a purpose and joy found in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God looks to us and says, give yourself to me, and I'm going to give myself to you. Which is exactly why we see communion before the cross and after I'm giving myself to you. He asked them to give themselves to him before he went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross, show them a magic trick, and says, all right, I'm looking for 12. He says, I want you to walk with me first. And then he gave. That's the offer of submission. You submit to me, and I'm going to give you access to things of heaven I'm going to give you accesses to riches beyond your wild imagination. Not based off of natural imagination. 
I'm going to give you more than you could ever dream of. He says, take and I will give. And you can take again, but it's all out of submission. And now, as we're submitted to God and get the grace to share in what he has prepared for us, there's one more invitation. Now, I'm going to read this verse again, but I'm actually going to read it in the Passion Translation. So this is what it says. Song of Songs 5, verse 1. <clears throat> I've gathered from your heart my equal, my bride. Y'all catch that? My what? I have gathered from my garden all my sacred spices, even my myrrh. I've tasted and enjoyed my wine with you. I've tasted with pleasure my pure milk, my honeycomb, which you yield to me. I delight in gathering my sacred spice, all the fruits of my life. I've gathered from within you my paradise garden. Come, all my friends, feast upon my bride, all you revelers of my palace. Come, all my friends, feast upon my bride. Feast on her, my lovers. Drink and drink and drink again until you can't take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Take all you desire, you priests. I love that. He's telling the religious people to go to the bride, the woman who was a slave, who looked at herself as dark and not good enough. He's saying, hey, priests, go get what you need from her. Love it. My life within her will become your feast. Let me tell you what it's saying. When we submit to the king and give ourselves fully to the work of God in our lives, we become the very feast that everyone is seeking. And when they taste of what we have, that's when they're going to ask, what do you have? What is different about you? The way you respond to oppression is different. The way you respond to heartache and pain is different. The way you respond to life struggles is different. What, what is it about you? I, I want a taste of that. Can, can we get beyond the, the, the sin identifiers of what this world is going through? I'm going to tell you exactly what the problem is with this world. They're all hungry for a garden, and the church ain't showing them a good one. And we have a call to say, we need to get so in sync with divine Garden of Eden reality, submitting to the king, that the world will look at us and say, I want to taste that. I want to feast on that. And that's exactly what Song of Solomon just said. He said, everyone, all you religious folk, all you people out here, come feast on my bride. Drink and drink and drink and come get more and come get more. And for some reason, the only feast we're giving them is tracts of salvation. The best salvation track is them seeing a life fully submitted that they want because they don't, they're tired of being confused. They're tired of searching. They're tired of getting temporary value in the things of this world. Let's give them a reason to feast on what we're feasting on. Heaven rejoices in our repentance because we have more feast to share as we walk in the right direction. Don't put it up yet, but in Psalm 34, David says, I praise God at all times. I speak constantly about God. I boast in God. I pray to God. I find joy in God. Then you know what he says in Psalm 34, 8, throw it up. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. You know what he's saying? Come experience how good God is by getting a taste of what overflows out of me. 
What? It's, it's not, my cup's overflowing. Yay. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> that was weird. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 my cup is overflowing. Taste, drink, drink, drink. And if people don't have anything to taste and see from you, then you're not filling and you're not overflowing. And you want to know why you're filling and not overflowing? Because you're not submitted. God gives you permission to share what is good in you once you've given him full access to who you are. The garden of your life, fully submitted. God is a jealous God. He wants you for himself first, not last. Because that's what's happening, that's what has happened in people. We give ourselves to everyone. And he says, that is actually the end goal, just not in the way you're doing it. Everything, every kind of sin is actually perversion of true. We're supposed to give ourselves to everyone. But we've perverted it in sinful ways. He says, no, 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 you come to me first and then they can taste what you got. Because it'll be good and pleasing and perfect. When we give ourselves to him, he gives us to the world as a fully prepared bride. Could we, the church, satisfy the hunger of the world searching for answers when we get tasty from a posture of submission? That's, that's got, that, that needs to be the title of the sermon, Get Tasty. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Get Tasty. <laughs> Y'all are weird. <laughs> think, think, think about this. Focus, focus. Think about how Holy Spirit works. He gives us gifts to minister to others in need. Gifts will flow more from a properly presented bride. Because the more you submit, the more tasteful you become. So what is in you is released to pour out. Spiritual gifts are a part of what the world needs to taste and see. The church has made spiritual gifts as a way to prove ourselves as mature in front of other Christians. If the only places a spiritual gift is exercised is here, then I would actually say that is perversion. Spiritual gifts are meant for those who are hungry. And thirsty. We get those from fully submission so that they're ready to feast from it. Not to keep filling up our storehouses. Peter kept releasing and had to come and get filled up again and again and again. The, the reason why we should be coming here on Saturdays is because people have been drinking and eating all week and you need to get filled up again to offer a smorgasbord of possibility. I'm going to close with this scripture tonight. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. 
Do you realize that Christ had a driver to go through submission? Every step of the way to the cross, he was fully submitted to the Father's purpose, not his own. That's why he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because it wasn't his choice to go. He begged in the garden, please let this cup. He didn't want a taste of that, but God said, you're going to have to taste of that for them to taste of you. What was the driving agent for Christ's submission? The joy waiting before him. He endured because he knew what was coming. And the best way to properly embrace a submission is to understand that the joy awaiting you is worth the sacrifice and submitted obedience. Submission is allowing God to fill our cravings and desires in a way that is good and pleasing and perfectly aligned with his will for our lives. When a people are submitted to God, God has a bride that he can do anything with and he wants to reveal himself to the world. So it's very simple. Let us be a people that reveal the perfect nature of God so that the world will taste and see. Amen? Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight?